Good evening. Expect gentle rainfall throughout the night. This is Quietly Yours. Welcome back. Tonight, we'll meet Lisa, who's trying to move on with her life after a traumatic event, but something keeps pulling her back to the lake, and soon, she learns she's not the only one who hears the voices on the breeze. Tonight's story is called The Wraith of the Reeds. But first, we have to pause to say goodbye to Elena from Oregon, who died this week at 21, mere months before she finally earned her environmental science degree. Elena and her father were skilled cosplayers, known throughout the Comic-Con circuit for their intricate costumes based around homemade body armour that was realistic, high quality, and, in the end, highly conductive. Elena was passionate about reptiles, and her family has asked for donations to the National Centre for Reptile Welfare in lieu of flowers. For those who wish to pay their respects, the twisted mass of charred flesh and melted metal that used to be Elena's body will be laid to rest on Thursday, and mourners have been asked to wear rubber-soled shoes throughout the service. To get a harrowing glimpse at your own gruesome death, head to patreon.com slash quietlyyours, where you can sign up to support the show from as little as a dollar a month, and get some exclusive rewards in return, such as bonus stories, early releases, and your own on-air obituary. You can also get those bonuses directly in Apple Podcasts by heading to our channel, Daffodilies Originals, and signing up for our plus tier. And if you're not in a position to help the show financially, you can still help out greatly by sharing the show with your friends, family, and estranged exes. And now, let's dive in to the Wraith of the Reeds. Have you been going to the lake again? And the dreams? Are you still having those? Most nights. Are you ready to tell me about them? No. Just wanted to check in. I thought maybe we could go for a coffee, have a catch-up or something. I'm worried about you. You'll say I'm overthinking it, I know, but I haven't seen you in so long and... Lise, you've always got your curtains closed. Even in the middle of the day. What's going on with you? Anyway, 
I just wanted to, I don't know, talk, I guess. Call me when you get this. How's your sleep been? Not great. Getting better maybe, but yeah, it sometimes feels like I'm living in reverse. Like when I want to sleep, I can't. When I want to get up... You can't. Exactly. Even if you have something to get up for? I don't usually. Right. So your social life... What about your sister? You said you'd spoken to her and that she wanted to be more involved in your life. Yeah. Has that happened? Not yet, no. Why is that? I don't know. She keeps calling, but... You don't want to see her? No, I do. I don't know. It's just um, tiring. That's understandable. That's why we take small steps. How's your diet? Still don't have much of an appetite. Even if you're not hungry, you don't have to force down a whole meal. But if you can push yourself to just have a little, it might help your energy levels too. Food has such an impact on our circadian rhythms. Might help you get more sleep. I do sleep, I just wake up feeling like I haven't. More restful sleep then. Do you think there's a reason why your sleep is so restless? Is it... It's not every night. Some nights I'm out like a light and I wake up feeling fine, I guess. Close enough to fine. But other nights? Other nights I go to sleep and I see her. And it's like... I wake up feeling like I've been up all night, like I've been... fighting. You fight in these dreams? No, not fighting, that's a bad choice of words. More like... Struggling. No, that, that's not right. It, it's hard to explain. Do you think that's symbolic? How do you mean? This struggle, this fight. Do you think that you're trying to fight off these feelings? I don't know, maybe. It's not doing much good if that's the case, is it? How do you mean? The more I struggle, the worse it gets. The more I struggle, the worse it gets. Why are you writing that down? Because we're out of time. But I think we've made progress. And I think that thought is something we should discuss in our next session. 
It's worth exploring why you're feeling that way. If you say so. Would you consider pharmaceutical help? You know, with sleep. What? I don't know, like sleeping pills, you mean? No, exactly. If you're nervous about the idea, you have every right to be. They're not going to give you the kind of restful sleep you need, and it's hardly a long-term solution. But it will knock you out. And I'm worried these long nights, awake and worrying, it's becoming a self-feeding loop. Like an anxiety snowball. Exactly. An anxiety snowball. If we can take that out of the equation, then hopefully that snowball will shrink and eventually we'll be able to see natural, healthy sleep returning to you. I don't know if... um... Yeah, Uh, okay. I'll send a prescription over to the pharmacy as soon as I can. You'll get a text with the details. Make sure you read the leaflet. And if you have any unexpected side effects, or if they're any worse than they should be, you know where to reach me. Thank you. See you next week. See you next week. You hear it too, don't you? Sorry, didn't mean to sneak up on you. No, it's okay. I just wasn't expecting to see anyone else here. Usually I'm the only one. Spend a lot of time here, do you? Me too. Come here most days now. The more time I spend here, the harder it is to stay away. At first I only heard it here. But now, when I'm just sat at home and the window is slightly open, I can hear it. The voice in the wind. The soft singing of the breeze. It's like no matter where I go, she finds me. You do hear it, don't you? For so long I thought I was the only one. I hear... the wind. The wind flowing over the water. That's all it is. Yes, that's what I used to say, too. You don't hear it anywhere else? When you're alone and the silence welcomes her in? I hear it here, and only here. It's just the wind. Excuse me, I have to go. Just the wind. You know what? Maybe it is.
Are they helping? I don't know. The doctor said it might take a while for them to really work their magic, so I guess we'll just have to... We'll just have to wait and see. sister. Properly spoke to her, I mean. We met up for coffee and I spent a couple of hours catching up. That's good. How did that affect your mood? Positively. At least for a while I felt pretty normal, I guess, after that, but... but then... But then? But then I remembered how very not normal everything is and I felt guilty. Guilt is normal. Normalcy is a sign that you're moving on. And that's great. It's a positive step. But it can come with baggage. It can feel almost like we're cheating. By starting a new life, by default, you're leaving the old one behind. But how do you get over that guilt? How do you override that feeling? Well, you can't. You just have to accept it for what it is and... Ride it out. <laughs> Never a shortcut, is there? <laughs> Sadly not. How was your sleep? Has the medication helped? Actually, I, I didn't take it. You didn't? No. Why not? I wanted to, but I just didn't feel comfortable with it. It's hard to explain. Well, you've got me for the whole hour. My husband's death. The car accident. What about it? I didn't really give you the full picture. My husband was depressed. Very depressed for a long time before the accident. He saw a doctor and he had a bunch of pills that were supposed to help. Antidepressants, sleeping pills, anti-anxiety stuff and they did help. He was getting better. He... He really was. And then one day we were driving. It was honestly just like any other day and then suddenly the car starts to veer off the road. I tried to do something to stop it but it all happened so quickly. There was no time, no time to do anything and, and the next thing I know we're in the water and the car is filling up fast. Our feet are already soaked and it's rising and rising. I unbuckled my seatbelt, opened the door and it just started flowing in and the car started sinking faster and faster. I moved over to the driver's side and I tried to open it but the door was stuck. I was banging and banging on the door but Tony was unconscious and the water was up to his chin. And then his forehead... And the whole car was, was filled. I tried to swim back around, tried to pull him out through the passenger side, but I couldn't, and I had to. I, I couldn't breathe, I had to go up, I had to get air. 
there was nothing I could do. I, I tried, but I, I couldn't do anything. He was gone. That's terrible. I'm sorry you went through that. I thought it was just an accident. Wasn't it? A week or two after it happened, I finally found the courage to start going through his things, and I found a note. And I started to wonder if he... if he meant to. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. I couldn't understand why he would do that, but worse... I was in the car. Why would he do it with me in the car? I had to live with that question for another two weeks, wondering if he intended for me to die down there with him. Trying to understand how he could want that, how he could feel like that was the only thing he could do. What happened after two weeks? That's when we got the toxicology results. There was a dangerous interaction. I can't remember exactly what it was. He was taking so many things. It was a rare reaction. No one could have predicted it. And Tony could have never known when he got in the car that he'd already sealed his fate. He just lost consciousness. And we went off the road. A freak accident. That's all it was. But that only made me feel worse. Because that was so much worse. It shouldn't be. It should be a relief to get that news, but I only found myself wishing that he had meant to do it. At least then it would have held some kind of meaning, you know. I feel guilty for even thinking it, but it's how I felt. And that's why I felt so nervous about taking the pills. It's good that you recognise why you feel that way. That's all we can do, really. Stay conscious of our feelings, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's progress. Mind if I join you? Suppose not.
Hope I didn't make you jump again. No, I, I knew you would be down here. You did? I saw your car up there. I think it's your car anyway. It was here before when I ran into you. It's my car, all right. Is that fishing gear? Indeed it is. I started a couple of weeks ago. I've been coming down here pretty much every day and just fishing for a few hours. It's fairly peaceful. Do you catch much? Oh no, not a thing. Nothing? At all? Not one bite. I'm starting to think the whole lake is barren. So why do you keep trying? Well, what else am I going to do while I'm down here? I read. Sometimes. Other times it's too hard to focus and I just sit and watch the water. I do that a lot too. It's like a form of meditation if you think about it. I tell that to my counsellor. She's always saying I should try meditation. I don't think this is what she had in mind though. She thinks I should stay away from this place. She doesn't understand. I think you do though. You have the dreams as well, don't you? How did you? I've had them for months. Who did you lose? My husband. My daughter. The dreams, they... don't stop? No. No, I don't think they'll ever stop. I don't think she'll ever let me go. I'm in the water. In the dream? Yes. I don't know why I'm in the water. I don't know how I got there. That's just how the dream starts. I'm in the water deep down, and I know that I need to swim for the surface. And do you? Yes. I kick, and I swim, and I fight. I can see the surface. I can see the sunlight shimmering up there, but then I feel these cold hands wrap around my ankles, and they pull at me. Their grip is so strong, and I can't shake them off, and they're pulling at me. They pull with so much more strength than I can swim with, and they drag me down. The hands climb up my legs, and her arms wrap around me, and I can feel her body against mine, squeezing me tighter and tighter, squeezing all the air out of me. And the sun up above grows darker and darker until there's nothing left but the endless black of the water and the cold, tight embrace of the woman pulling me down to the bed of the lake. And then everything's just black. Is that when you wake up? No, I don't wake up. I don't dream anything. There's nothing, really. But I'm aware, just floating. Just floating in the blackness. Experiencing nothing for hours at a time. And then I wake up. I can understand why that is causing you so much anxiety when you're trying to sleep. Have you asked yourself what might be causing this dream? What the dream is about? What, you think there's some deeper Freudian meaning or something? <laughs> no, nothing like that. I don't think there's any particular meaning to the symbolism in our dreams. But the emotions we feel when we're dreaming, they're very much real. And I think a lot of the time, if we look at the emotions we're expressing when we dream, we find that they are little more than our subconscious minds expressing the feelings that our conscious mind hasn't fully accepted. That our subconsciousness is trying to explain, to understand the things that are 
waking selves cannot. How exactly does that help me? Well, if we were able to get to the bottom of what those emotions are, if you can come to an understanding and understand them fully, to accept them, then perhaps these dreams can become a thing of the past. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I'll never be rid of them. I'll never be rid of her. What makes you say that? Because I don't think these dreams have anything to do with my emotions. I don't think they're coming from me at all. What do you mean? They come from her. From who? The woman, the one in the lake. And it's not just in my dreams. When I go there, when I sit with the water, I can hear her. And sometimes she follows me home and I can hear her there too. Who is she? This woman? I don't know. But she talks to you? No, not exactly. More like singing or whispering. You can hear it only slightly in the breeze. You think I'm crazy. I didn't say that. No, but you're thinking it. I thought it myself for a long time. You did? Yep. Then what changed? I met someone at the lake. His name's Mark and he can hear her too. And if he can hear her, then... It's not in my head. And if it's not in my head, then I'm not crazy, right? But you're still looking at me like I am. I'm just trying to wrap my head around all of this. Yeah, you and me both. Have you always fished, or did you start when you started coming here? Oh, I've done it for years now, ever since I was a kid. My dad taught me. Never saw the appeal myself. Not for everyone, I suppose. I don't know, I guess it's just... I just think of it as a good excuse to sit still for a while. It's peaceful. If you catch anything, that's just a bonus. Oh, when you put it like that. It was a good excuse to spend time together, too. We used to go fishing every other week. It was hard to get his attention the rest of the time. But he never missed the fishing trips. Neither did I. Even after he died, I kept going. Every other week. I always kind of thought that I'd pass the habit onto my own son one day and the tradition would just go on and on and on. Well, then my daughter was born, but I didn't let that stop me. She was a pro by the time she was six. What happened to her, if you don't mind me asking? She killed herself, I... I don't know why, I wish I did. Or maybe I don't. Well, that's it. Time to reel it in for the day. Another bountiful trip. <laughs> oh well, maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time.
What made you drive there in the middle of the night? I don't know. When I woke up, I just knew. Knew what? I just knew that something was wrong, and I knew what I had to do. So you drove to the lake? Yes. And what happened when you got there? I saw Mark's car. Mark? I'd seen Mark leave earlier, so I knew he must have come back. And the car was still running, the door was open, his lights were on. I think he'd just arrived moments before I did. Mark, are you in there? And as I walked down towards the lake, I saw him. Mark? Mark, what are you doing? He was just standing there, on the end of the pier. Mark! And I kept calling out to him, but he wouldn't respond. Mark! Then he jumped. Not even jumped, it was like he just went limp and fell forward and... I tried. I tried to find him. I I really tried. But it was so dark. I could hardly see anything and he was just... gone. I didn't want to give up. I really didn't want to give up, but my lungs were burning and I needed air. I followed the glimmer of moonlight on the surface of the lake and I swam and I swam. And then I felt it. What did you feel, Lisa? I felt her hands. Cold and bony, wrapping around my ankles. She was pulling me, pulling me down, and I couldn't get her off. She pulls me deeper and deeper, and I can feel her hands creeping up my legs, her arms wrapping around me. I fought as hard as I could, and I managed to break free, but her hands stayed clapped tightly around my wrist, and she pulled me back towards her. Her other arm reached around and grabbed a hold of me again, and then... And then... And then I saw her for the first time. We looked right at each other, face to face. And what did you see? She was young. At least I think she was. But her skin was completely white and it looked like it might just slide off. In places it had her arm and her shoulder. Her skin seemed to have just slipped off her body to reveal the bones beneath. Her white dress was almost completely rotted away and what remained of it was like netting draped over her skeletal body, its weight seeming to pull her down. And her hands. You could see the bones beneath her thin skin and at the end of her long bony fingers. There were reeds where nails should have been. Reeds, several feet long, growing out of her fingers like fingernails, spreading from her hands and wrapping around my body, tangling the two of us together. Her face was framed by long, matted hair that floated around like seaweed, and in the middle of her face, where her eyes should be, there was just nothing. Two empty sockets, two black holes where eyes should have been. But still, she was looking at me. I could tell she was looking at me. And I looked back. 
for a long moment we just stayed there, floating in the abyss, studying each other. And then she turned her head and she looked down. I followed her empty gaze down to the bed of the lake, and there I saw them. Dozens of people, trapped at the bottom of the lake, buried up to their chests in sand and dirt. They were unconscious, no, dead. Dozens of dead bodies poking out of the ground like flowers rooting for the sun. And among them I could see him. Tony. His eyes closed, his face blank, almost peaceful. I saw Mark too, and beside him, emerging from the sand, or perhaps sinking into it, was a young woman. His daughter, I think. At least that's what I choose to believe. She turned back to look at me and I turned back to look at her. I reached out and pulled aside the web of fabric to reveal the bones beneath, and there, between her exposed ribs, I saw her heart. There were no lungs, no other organs. Her torso was little more than empty space, but in the middle, floating alone, was her heart beating in the darkness. I felt the reeds around me move and her hands softened and her arms withdrew. She let go of me and for a moment we just floated there, watching each other. And then what did you do? I swam. It's Lisa. I'm so sorry for the late notice, but I have to cancel our appointment today. Oh. Is everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Something important came up, that's all. Okay. Well, don't worry about it. I'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. I hate this, you know. Absolutely hate it. You'll get used to it. I don't know why anybody enjoys this. What'd you get out of it? Ah, uh, what's that? What's what? Something's pulling. Well, that'll be a fish. Reel it in. How? Here. It's too strong. What? It's too strong. How can a fish be this strong? <laughs> Pull harder. I am pulling. I don't think I'm cut out for this. There, you got it. I caught something. You caught something. I knew I'd be good at this. The Wraith of the Reeds starred Stasha Mutsuris as Lisa, Laura Black as Melissa, Drew Sinclair as Michael, and Cal Reed as Mark. 
It was written and directed by Brett Barnett, that's me, produced by Stacey McKenzie, and featured music by Ostrich Bay. If you're enjoying Quietly Yours, be sure to follow the show on your podcast app of choice. You can also sign up to support the show at patreon.com slash quietlyyours, where you can find exclusive rewards like early releases, bonus stories, and behind-the-scenes content. If you're an Apple Podcast user, you can also support the show by subscribing right here in the podcast app. You can find all of our episodes on our website, daffodillies.co.uk slash quietlyyours, that's D-A-F-F-A-D-I-L-L-I-E-S dot co dot uk slash quietlyyours. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can find us all over social media, our handle everywhere is quietlypodcast, or you can reach us via email at quietlyyours at daffodillies.co.uk. Until next time, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine. Quietly Yours is a Daffodilies production.